Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Lord, that that would be our, our mantra. That we would recognize that we all need your mercy. That you are the one true, the only God. And that anything else in our lives must take second place. Lord, as we look at your word this morning, I pray that what we hear is your voice. Your voice in our ears and our minds. That your words ring true and challenge us to change. And Lord, I I pray that we don't stop at hearing, but we continue by doing. That we make attempts and efforts to make changes that need to be made in our lives. That we grow closer to you. That we become sanctified. Lord, help us to be leaders in the circles we run. Lord, we pray for those who were uh, discussed. We we thank you for the praises, and we pray for those, Lord, who are hurting. And so, Lord, we ask that you would cover them as well with your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your love, your care. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. And if you're little, you can run. Yeah. That's not you, Bobby. You're not little. I know. <laughs> so I hereby apologize if you thought this was the last week. Sorry. There's just too much good stuff going on in, in, uh, in chapter 6. I really like uh, chapter 6. And when I got to reading it, I was like, man, there's too much going on in this passage to try to do it on Communion Sunday. There's just too much going on. And we have been talking a lot about godly leadership, what leadership looks like um, the way God would have us to lead. And we started this conversation back at the beginning of January for a reason. We have people coming on boards um, who this is their first, uh, first official month of being on a board and are beginning, some are beginning to lead, some are, um, are re-upping, some uh, of us have been on boards or in leadership roles for a while. But there's all these opportunities to help us. And Timothy hears all this from Paul. Ways that we can help be better leaders. There's so much in it, uh, I felt like it would be not fair to just gloss over some of what was going on there. And so we're on week chapter, we're on chapter 6, and I encourage you to read 11 through 21 next week. Uh, for next week, there's... Uh, if you know any men or young men who have been to... Uh, to to boot camp, 
uh, ask them about the second, that, the next verses, right? Uh, that's a, I, I may encourage you to help me read that next week uh, because there's a good chunk in there that we use, uh, not me, Mark uses in, uh, the group uses at boot camp um, because there's a good list of things that are going on there. But this week, Paul is, is talking to Timothy about how to lead in community, in the group. How do you lead um, those around you? And the first couple verses, may, it may feel some like it doesn't fit in 2021, right? Until we begin to think about slavery in a little bit different way. And so I, want, I, want, I don't want to focus a lot on that, that passage, but rather to think about it uh, in a different perspective. And that perspective is better, I think, understood as employer-employee. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm still in 2021. <laughs> That's funny. I, I should have probably wrote that down. No, I didn't, I, I didn't even think of that, Connie. <laughs> All right, we're going to get there. We're in 20. I'm, I'm going to leapfrog to 2022 right now. <laughs> but that passage is a bit challenging because we don't have slaves, per se, and that has been something that has been out of our Western culture for many years. And yet we do have those who are in slavery to things. Those who are in slavery to those they owe money to. Those things in life that we have to do because we've gotten ourselves into a, a pickle or into a spot or into a place where we no longer are our own. And that's what Paul is talking to Timothy about. There's a way to treat each other in that position. But I want to jump down to number to verse uh, 3. Because he says, be careful if you're teaching, if people are teaching it the wrong way. And what he says is, listen, there is a responsible way to teach God's word. Make sure you understand. Whoa. I don't know what happened there, Brian. Oh, I do know. I do know. Tell her we don't want to do that update. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. Good catch. It says, verse 3 and 4, If anyone teaches otherwise, he does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness. He is proud, knowing nothing. So we have to ask ourselves about our leaders and as leaders, what are we using as our guide? What is it that we use to teach others with? Are we using the understanding we got when we were growing up that our parents taught us? Are we using wives' tales? Are we using Facebook? I know there's all the truth is on Facebook, just so in case you didn't, if you didn't know that, I would just like to, right? Or are we using it and weighing it against Scripture? It's challenging. A lot of times, we'll hear, I'll hear a lot of things that I'm like, mm, I'm not sure where you got that one. I'm not sure where that came from. I'm not sure if you got the understanding 
correctly in Scripture. And maybe it said it in one Scripture, but do you check all the other Scriptures? Have you looked and made sure that you understand what is being said? And as leaders, we have a responsibility. And Paul is telling Timothy, be careful. There are some people out there who are only going to cause trouble. That's all they're out there for. Their desire at this time in Paul and Timothy's situation was money. Right? There are, only, there are some people whose only job, only desire is to cause uh, unbelief and cause, uh, what does he call it, strife. Uh, and uh, evil suspicions, malicious talk, because they want to make money. Today, we might call it power. I see it all the time. I see these leaders who are supposed to be spiritual leaders, spiritual leaders, who over and over need your money so that they can keep going. Or they'd like to wield the power over your head. And I have a hard time. And you should have a hard time with those people. Our job is to keep them in check, Paul tells Timothy. Make sure what they're teaching is legit. My wife was telling me about a, all the truth is on Facebook. I just need you to know that. My wife was telling me about someone that she knows on Facebook who 20 years ago said, yes, they were a believer in Christ. I think the comment was, I was a believer before you were born. who now post on their Facebook that God is almighty and Jesus is not. That should trigger something. It triggered in my wife, and we were, that's why we were talking about it. That should challenge us very, very, very quickly to ask ourselves, is that the truth? Is God almighty and Jesus isn't? Is that what this says? Don't take my word for it. In fact, I would encourage you not to take my word for it. I'm encouraging you to read it and find out. I'm encouraging you to dig in. There are those whose goal is power. There are those whose goal is money. And Paul says, be very careful about those people. Be very careful who you put in, in leadership roles. Because those are the people who will divide, who will tear apart. It says they have a form of godliness, but their goal is financial gain. They have a desire to be in leadership, but for all the wrong reasons. It speaks volumes to me that I think our leadership, you should be 
not only you should take a second thought about jumping into leadership before you jump in. It shouldn't be something you desire because there'll be a nice sign on your pocket. Leadership means sacrifice in our faith. It doesn't look like the world's idea of leadership. It's not about filling our pockets. Boy, is that rings so true these days about our political system. Leadership should look the opposite. It's going to cost us. It's going to force us to look at life differently. It's going to force us not to make decisions for ourselves, but rather for the good of the order. For each one of us as a group over what Dan wants or what a deacon wants or a trustee wants or missions wants or Christian Ed wants. We look at it from a different perspective. What does the church at Greenfield need? What is best for us moving forward? That's responsible. It reflects contentment. Are you content where you are? Did you see what Paul's requirements for contentment were? Y'all have passed. Did you see this? His, uh, did you see what his uh, requirements were in that passage? Food and clothing. Everybody's got clothes. Thank you. And none of you look like you starved to death. So, good job. That's enough for us to be content. Paul says, set the bar low on contentment. Set the bar really low. It's easy to walk over when it's really low. Why? Because he says, it's great gain. It's good. We've brought nothing into this world. And guess what? We'll take nothing out of it. If you're not content with where you're at in life, where God has you in life, then I'll challenge you to ask yourself this question. Am I following God like he wants me to follow him? Am I leading my family like he wants me to follow or to lead them? Am I leading this church the way he wants me to lead it? He says, godliness with contentment is great gain. It's good place to be. If you have food and clothes, you're, you're, you've made it. Let's be honest. Our list is probably a lot longer than that for contentment. Right now it'd be heat, right? (laughs) It was freezing out there this morning. Paul says in Philippians, I know what it means to be in need. I know what it means to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in every 
in any situation. Well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. If you keep reading the, the secrets there, I'm not telling you. I'll give you something to read. Read Philippians chapter 4. Read Philippians. Philippians is a great book for, for uh, a great reason. Uh, it's, it's so encouraging. If you're feeling discouraged, if the darkness of February, as Mark was talking about this morning, and le- the less light and, and uh, just feeling trapped in some ways, read Philippians. It's four chapters. It's small. You can read it easily. It's one of the most encouraging books in Scripture. It's Paul encouraging the church to keep going, to look forward. It's a great book. See, the world tells us he who dies with the most toys. Well, this is not what they tell us, right? Did you ever see that shirt, he who dies with the most toys wins? The reality is, he who dies with the most toys still dies. Those toys won't make us. And my experience is this, that no matter what you get, no matter what Dan gets, he always wants something else, right? If I get a nice car, I want a a, a little nicer car. I always jokingly say the next Challenger will have a Hemi and be a six-speed standard. So my wife doesn't want to drive it anyway, so I might as well burn off the tires by myself. Seems like a reasonable idea, right? <laughs> the reality is we each have those things that we think will supp- supply that need of contentment. We each have those things that we like, if I get this, I am good. And you know what happens, right? I get that. And it's not good for very long. It's like when we buy a brand new car. We buy a brand new car. It's all clean and nice. It smells brand new. Bobby sold it to us. And it's like, oh, and he even sets up the, the phone so it works in the car. So, and my wife's going to keep it clean forever. But it doesn't take long until it looks dirty like our, everything else. And that the, the dirt of the world is all over it. And winter is all over the sides of it. And it's crusty looking. And it's like, oh, I hope we make it through the year. And it's nasty. Those things don't meet our needs. We think they will. We think that that will be what it takes to push us over the edge Leaders of the church learn to find contentment in God and God alone. Paul goes on in the next, like two verses later. He says, listen, you got to prioritize life. What is most important to you? What is it that's most important in your life? What's number one on your list? There'll be lots of things. Here's the challenge. 
what's most important to you if you're being honest with yourself. See, it's easy to put the church answer, right? Jesus, God, or the Bible. That's the church answer. I learned that from the Bartlett's. I love that. I don't know where they got it from, but the Zabrowski's, that's where we got it from. Okay. Right? It's easy to say, God, Jesus, and the Bible. That's obviously number one, two, and three. But let's be honest. Is that really what's one, two, and three? Is that really how our life is lived out? See, because a lot of times we're just not real honest with ourselves. We want to believe that that's the truth. We want to believe that that's one, two, and three on my list. And then, of course, my wife would be next, right? Because that's, that's what I've been taught. And then my kids would be directly after that. Then the dogs, right? And I don't even know where I'm at on the list. I must be down like seven or eight, right? Because we've got past two dogs. Five, three kids, my wife, God, Jesus, and the Bible. Yeah, I'm like number nine, right? If, if, I'm, if I'm given the church answer, that's where I'm at. And then I have to ask myself, is that really, is that really what's going on in my own life? Is that really what I'm doing? Have I prioritized life the way God wants me to prioritize life? Or have I prioritized life the way I feel? Or the way I think I deserve? And how am I prioritizing my life? And where does God, more importantly, where does God want me to prioritize my life? How would he write out that paper? And then he goes on in in verse 10 and he says, listen, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. You probably have heard this scripture misspoken many times, right? I bet you've heard money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money. Feeling better now? Everybody starting to feel, yeah, yeah. I I feel a little better because I don't love it. I got to have it, right? I need it, but I don't don't love money. I don't love money, right? Someone needs it, I'll give it to them. As I'm squeezing my wallet to get a dollar out of there. Even if we're not that way, let's just be honest. Money is very cozy and comforting, is it not? Sure it is. It makes us feel a whole lot more comfortable, does it not? At what extent do we go from one side to Kenny's side or the other side? And where does it land? See, these are questions that I ask because I deal with them the same way. Right? I don't want to take my, che- my bank account down to 50 cents every week. On the other hand, am I being generous where God has blessed me? 
to give to others as I have been given to you. And I'm not saying at Greenfield Baptist Church in the offering. I'm not saying that at all. Am I being generous to those I come in contact with, those who I have a chance to bless? Am I blessing them with what God has given me? Do I love money so much that I can't give it away to someone who has a need? Man, it's gotten really quiet in here. Amazing. Pretty sure we all, every one of us, could learn to be more giving in that way. Have we got stuck in the rat race? Church, if you want to lead, if you want to be good leaders, good godly leaders, this is where it starts. It starts at home. I would love to tell you that I have it all figured out. And I probably could coerce my wife if I gave her money to say that that was true, right? But we're still learning that as well. We'll still, we'll, we are still working on understanding what good, godly leadership looks like at home. Don't kid yourself in thinking that you have it all figured out. It's a process that continues as we continue to grow closer to God. Do you guys remember, any of you who have been married, do you remember the nice triangle that some pastor told you about a long time ago? It's like, you're here and your wife is here and God is here, right? And as long as you continue to grow closer to God, you will automatically grow cl- And I think the triangle might look like, you know, like maybe the lines shouldn't be, because they're probably not straight, right? Because we don't always grow the same, uh, at the same pace or at the same angle, and our triangle will be a big mess. But the reality is that we don't get to the, we don't get to the top until we're done. And so we like to think that in the first five years, we get all the way within an inch, right? The reality is, it's probably about this, an inch is probably at the bottom. Good leadership grows closer to God. It puts the priorities of life in the right order. It helps us to see where God is working, and to grow closer. I, tell, I, I want to tell you a story, not because, I mean, I pretty much lay it on the line anyway. Uh, but a year ago, January, I went to a, a, a retreat, and you, probably, you might have heard the story before, but I went to a retreat, a hunting retreat, where it was laid on my, my heart, 30 years of marriage in, that I needed to pray with my wife. 30 years. I can't tell you how many. We, we've prayed together. But for 30 years, we did it randomly, sporadically, at dinner you know, out when we went out sometimes. But after 30 years, God laid on my heart at a retreat. It was only spoken of like once or twice in the whole retreat. But what was spoken was profound. 
And what was spoken was this. You need to spend even a few minutes with your spouse praying with them. And I'd like to tell you that I have that. We have now put it on our calendar and we have solved it in every day without fail for the last 365 plus days we have prayed together perfectly. But that would be a complete lie. But what I've learned in that is that that's a priority and needs to be a priority in my life. I need to prioritize that. My wife, she needs that. I need that. And so we don't do it every day, but when we do it, which is about hopefully three or four days a week, we make a point before we go leave for work to pray for each other. It's not long. It's not uh, windbaggy. It's not, um, we're not praying for everybody in the world. We barely pray for anyone else. We pray that each other would have the day God has put on their heart. That, that each one of us would, would recognize God's hand in our life. That each one of us would be safe. And that we would come back together again. That God would bless our day uh, in ministry, whatever that looks like. My challenge for you guys is to lead your family. Lead your family like the men of God you are called to be. All too often, it's easy to let our wives take the reins. It's all that, all too easy. She wants to be in charge anyway, so let her do it. Doesn't mean we lord it over them, but rather we work with them. We show them with sacrifice what it looks like to lead our families. We show them what our priorities are. That God is number one in our life. That that's most important to us. We make decisions based on our faith and our faith walk and the wisdom of others who walk the faith. We make decisions based on the Bible and the Scriptures Understanding that God gives direction. We don't make up things that make us feel better. We don't not read the scriptures that are hard to read. But rather we jump into those. We admit that we don't have it all figured out. And we lead our families like God would have us lead them. Jesus says in Matthew 6.33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. The unto must be the King James. That's the Dan version mixed with NIV and King James and all those pieces, right? Seek first the kingdom of God. If you seek the kingdom of God first, 
you will lead in a healthy way. If you don't, you won't. There's no way to lead if the way God would have you lead if you're not a believer. There's no way. If you don't have the Holy Spirit inside of you leading your every move, there's no way you can lead the way God would have you lead. You have to admit that you're a sinner, that you don't have it figured out. Sometimes that's where we get stuck. Well, I'm not all bad. I'm not all bad. No, the scripture says we're all bad. We are all bad. We will not make it. We don't have a leg to stand on. We have to believe that Jesus is the Lord of our life. That He is the only perfection in this world. That He lived the perfect life. He died on the cross. He rose again. And that His blood was enough for me. And then we have to call upon His name. And all that means is asking Him to be a part of our life and, and allowing Him to work in our life. Allowing him to make the changes. See, what happens is sometimes we, we call upon his name and then we're like, okay, I'll call upon your name, but I, but I only need you to take care of this problem right here. I, I got some issues here in my family. My marriage is a mess. I, I don't really want you to take care of anything else. I, work, I got work covered. I got work covered. Family, I got, that, I got that covered, but I need you to take care of my wife. I need you to fix her. No, it's call upon his name and let him work in those areas of your life that need changed. Allow him to change your life from the inside out. That's not instant. We see an instant changes sometimes in some people in some places. But it takes time to be sanctified by God. Can he take things away in a heartbeat? Absolutely. I've seen him take away addiction from people like that. And sometimes he walks them through the path. The, the struggles of walking through getting rid of addiction. Or brokenness. Or broken relationships. It's not our call. It's, it's his call. If you haven't made that decision... It's the very best decision you can make in your life. Admit you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and call upon his name. If you haven't done that and you'd like to do that, I want to encourage you this morning as we get prepared to sing, we stand up, I'll be up front. I'd love to pray with you this morning about your salvation, about where eternity rests for you. If that's too scary and you want to talk to me in the back, I would love to do that. Uh, anyone else, there are the, the, the praise team or there are lots of leaders around. And I want to encourage you to think about that today. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the love you have. For the love you offer through Jesus Christ. Lord, may we be followers of you. In your name we pray. Amen.